There's a man named Isaiah in the Old Testament. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. Remember from our study in 2 Chronicles, we've been looking at the kingdom of Israel, and Israel has been divided into two nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. We've been following the history of the southern kingdom because it's the southern kingdom who has a descendant of David on the throne of God over Israel. And it is David that received the promise that someone from your line, your family, your sons will sit on the throne of God forever. So we're following that promise through the southern kingdom. Isaiah is a prophet who is speaking to the southern kingdom. He tells a story of a man who owns a vineyard, planted a vineyard on a fertile hill. He'd done everything to help that vineyard be in the best possible condition for producing the greatest and the best amount of grapes. And the man had prepared for a bountiful harvest of fruit because he expected that his effort towards the vineyard would in fact produce a great return of fruit. What he discovered, however, was that after doing everything that he could possibly do for that vineyard, that the vineyard produced worthless grapes. And the man decides, because the vineyard produced worthless grapes after doing everything that could be done for it, that he would remove the hedges of protection around that vineyard and allow anything to come in and just wipe that vineyard out. He decided that he'd no longer spend effort and energy coming in and cultivating the ground in the vineyard to keep the thorns and the thistles out. He just let it get overrun with whatever happened. He abandoned the vineyard, and the vineyard became empty. Isaiah tells that story, and he reveals that the owner of the vineyard is the Lord, and the vineyard is Judah. So in Isaiah's day, things in Judah are not good. And the king in Isaiah's day is King Uzziah, and he did not help the situation. Second Chronicles chapter 26 gives us the story of Uzziah. You can find that on page about 335 in the Pew Bible. I would encourage you that if you didn't bring your Bible, to pick one of those Bibles up and read with me, chapter 26 and 27 of Second Chronicles. All right, let's get started. Chapter 26, Second Chronicles. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God prospered him. There's our setup. God is prospering the king of Judah. Uzziah, as long as Uzziah seeks the Lord. So what's going to happen? All right, verse 6. 
Now he went out and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built the cities in the area of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbaal and the Munites. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah, and his fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns, for he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and the fertile, fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which he entered combat, which entered combat by divisions according to the number of their muster. Prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the, the official under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. The total number of the heads of the households of valiant warriors was 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 307, who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for the army Shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Now, notice here that Uzziah is receiving great help from the Lord. This passage stresses over and over again that everything Uzziah is becoming in his fame and his strength is because of what the Lord is doing. There is nothing that Uzziah is or has that has not come from the Lord. There's a stress on this in this, this scene of the story that God has helped Uzziah. The reason Uzziah is the way he is is because God has done it. Now, the avenue through which God has done that and what has happened in Uzziah's life that has brought this about is a second emphasis in the story so far. Uzziah, because he has been prospered by the Lord, we can know for a fact that he has sought the Lord. See, in verse 5 it says that God prospered him as long as he sought after him. Well, we've just read this incredible story of how God has prospered him, which leads us to believe Uzziah has spent his life so far seeking the Lord. How do we know? Look how great he has become. All right? So the emphasis is Uzziah has sought the Lord and God has prospered him as long as he sought the Lord. That's exactly what the setup was and that's exactly what we've seen so far. Now, look at verse 16. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Then Azariah, the priest, entered after him with 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. 
Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at Uzziah, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. They hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, one with skin disease. Some of the little kids in here right now thinking that I'm saying he turned into a tiger. Leper has a skin disease. He had a skin disease um, until the day of his death. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, has written. So Uzziah slept with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers in the fields of the grave which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. And Jotham, his son, became king in his place. So Uzziah becomes great because God blesses him as Uzziah seeks the Lord. So the fact that Uzziah became great was not a problem. The problem was that Uzziah became prideful. He began to live his life, the life that he was choosing to live, with no reference for God and what God says. He, he did not care anymore about who God was and what God said. We, now, we, we get an indication of that happening in his life through the account in the temple where he is deemed prideful. He walks into the temple to worship God Apparently he wants to go in there to offer incense to God. Well, the priest says, you can't do that. That's not your job. That's our job. Here's what God says. And Uzziah, in that point of being confronted with what God says, gets angry. And his pride causes him to be enraged at those who rightfully are confronting him, seeking to protect him that he might continue to seek the Lord. And Uzziah says, I don't care what you say. I don't care what God says. And he is enraged. He is unteachable. He is not correctable. He is standing against God and God's priests in that moment. And in that moment of his pride, God strikes him with leprosy so he never again gets to enter into the house of God. It's over. See, God helped him until his pride caused him not to seek the Lord anymore. And when he decided not to seek the Lord, his life came up empty. Now Uzziah's son, Jotham, has to take over because Uzziah can't leave being separated from everybody because of his disease. So Jotham, his son, has to take over ruling in his house. I wonder how Jotham will respond to the reality that his dad has lost everything because he stopped seeking the Lord. Chapter 27. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Uzziah had done. However, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. He didn't do what his father did. He didn't go in there and try to do things his way. He didn't go in there and become enraged at the priest. He never did what his dad did and stopped seeking the Lord. That's the emphasis there. In fact, it's going to be emphasized again here shortly. 
The people, however, continued acting corruptly. Verse 3, he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. He built extensively the wall of Ophel. Moreover, he built cities in the hill country of Judah. He built fortresses and towers on the wooded hills. He fought also the king of the Ammonites and prevailed over them so that the Ammonites gave him during that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 of barley. The Ammonites also paid him this amount in the second and in the third year. So Jotham became mighty. Because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham, even all his wars and his acts, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and Jotham slept with his fathers. They buried him in the city of David, and Ahaz, his son, became king in his place. Uzziah's story... He sought the Lord. God blessed him. He became prideful, stopped seeking the Lord, and he came up empty. Jotham's story. He sought the Lord. God blessed him. He never stopped seeking the Lord, and he died full, satisfied. I mean, the message is clear. Everything we need comes from God. And the avenue for experiencing the life he intends his people to have is experienced through seeking him. We need to be a people who seek the Lord and never stop seeking him. It's a simple message. And a message that's really, really crucial for you and for me. Consider for a second that Uzziah experienced what he experienced in losing everything. In the temple of God. So he goes there with a censer to offer an offering of incense at the altar of incense. He's going there to perform an act of worship. So he's in the right place. But his heart is in the wrong place. See, see the circumstance where he is corrected in that moment. If his heart was right, he would have responded by saying, you're right. I'm wrong. God, have mercy on me. You guys offer the incense. I will worship the Lord. Just lead me, direct me to do it right. I don't want to be wrong against the Lord. Help me. I want to seek the Lord. But instead, he became enraged because of his pride. And it became apparent that though he was in the right place, his heart was in the wrong place. Now think about you and me. Every single week we're coming into this place, most of us. We're coming to the right place. But the question that we've got to wrestle with today is, where is our heart? Is our heart in the right place too, or is our heart in the wrong place? You see, you can be in the right place, and it'd be just as dangerous as the wrong place if your heart is not right. In fact, you could go so far as to say being in the right place when your heart is in the wrong place is even more dangerous than being in the wrong place. Because sometimes when we're in the right place and our heart's not exactly right, we'll try to console ourselves by having been in the right place and we've avoided the issue of our heart. And this passage today does not allow us to avoid the issue of our heart. 
Where is your heart? Have you been seeking the Lord? Maybe for you this morning, you, you've not been seeking the Lord lately. That you've just not been seeking the Lord in your life lately. You, just, you would just be quick to volunteer that to the Lord. He knows. And you just say in your heart to the Lord right now, Lord, I know that I've not been seeking after you. It's been days or it's been weeks or it's been months since I've really spent time seeking you. I've not opened my Bible for a week or two or a month. I've not spent any real time in prayer. I've come here and I've looked like I'm going through the motion, but inside I know that I've not been seeking you. Maybe, maybe that's you this morning. If, if that's you and you'd say, you know, in your heart before the Lord, I know I haven't been seeking you. Maybe you're wondering right now in light of this story, how close am I to the disaster of Uzziah? I mean, maybe you're asking the question, how many days do I have of not seeking the Lord before I am in desperate, irreversible trouble? How close am I to what he experienced? I just want to encourage you this morning that that's the wrong question. Don't ask that question. Instead, ask this question. Why would I ever want to move in the direction of getting close to the disaster of Uzziah when I have another way? Instead of wondering where you are after not seeking him, today decide that you're going to turn your life and seek him. If you start wondering how close am I, you're just dealing with issues of pride. And the solution here is humility. To surrender your life to the Lord and say, I've not been seeking you, even if it's for two days or five months. The fact is, I need you. And just to turn your heart to seek the Lord. To make the decision this morning that if you've not been seeking Him, that you will humble yourself. and Begin to seek the Lord. Because the reality is, you cannot... Have life except through seeking the Lord. It just doesn't work. Pride will tell us it will work. Pride will get us to start living a life that does not give heed to God and what God says and begin to think that we can actually experience a life that is fulfilling at some level without reference to God. Pride will make us think it will work, but it will not work that way because God has established a spiritual absolute. All life comes from Him. And if you do not seek Him, you will come up empty. People who don't seek the Lord, their emptiness will come because that's the way God has determined it it will happen. Now, for some, their intimacy will come by getting everything they want. They will have every single thing they could ever possibly want. And in the middle of having everything, they will discover they have nothing. Some people's emptiness, who are not seeking the Lord, will come in the form of losing everything they have. And they will discover their emptiness. And then you have a whole host of options in between. The reality is, no matter how much you have or how little you have, having everything you need comes exclusively through seeking Jesus Christ. So if you seek Him, it's not relevant how much you have. You have everything in Him. And when you have everything that He might possibly want to give you, it's for Him. And you have little or nothing. It doesn't 
feel like nothing because you have him. It's the answer to everything is having him. That's what he's defined. The question is, will we orient our lives to what he said? Everything comes from him. You can't afford to stop seeking him. And if you've stopped, turn back to him. Turn back to him. Maybe you're here and you've just never started seeking the Lord. You just never have made a decision in your life to start seeking the Lord. I just want to encourage you that everything comes from God. And if you're going to have life now and eternally, it all begins with trusting in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is the promised king that we've been hearing about through all of 2 Chronicles. God has been promising a king to sit on the throne of David forever. Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of David, came. He gave his life on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead, overcoming sin and death, and now rightfully reigns on the throne of God and will someday be seated as king forever over all. He is king. And if we place our faith in Jesus, if we believe what God says about Jesus, we believe who he is, then we have begun seeking the Lord and we will receive forgiveness of our sins and we will be given life, life eternal. It all begins with seeking Jesus Christ, believing in Him. If you've never decided to start seeking the Lord, I want to invite you this morning to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Every one of us here has wronged God in our hearts and our lives, but God has made provision for our forgiveness by sending Jesus. You want to seek after the Lord? It begins with what you do with Jesus. That leaves really one other category. You, you, some have stopped seeking Jesus. We want you to turn and seek Him. Others have never started. We want you to start. And then there's this host of us who would say, I've been seeking the Lord in my life. You know, sometimes our own perception of our spiritual relationship with God can give reason for pride. So I just want to help you this morning. If you feel like you're in that category of, I've been seeking the Lord, please don't translate as, um, I don't need the rest of the sermon. Okay? Because that'd be prideful. I'm trying to help you with that, all right? Um, I I want to help us today see that this message in God's Word is for all of us, every one of us. So if, you, if you'd say this morning, I have really been trying to seek the Lord, I want to I ask you to think about it like this. Have you been moving in the right direction in your relationship with the Lord? Yeah, you've been seeking Him, but are you moving in the right direction? See, because the idea here is that we just keep moving in the right direction in our seeking of the Lord, and we don't ever let ourselves move in the wrong direction with our relationship with the Lord, away from Him. So let's think this last week, if you spent time this last week reading your Bible, you know, four or five times during the week you read your Bible, well then make sure that this next week you don't read the Bible like two or three times. See, this is moving in the wrong direction. You want to keep 
seeking the Lord, moving in the right direction. You spent time in prayer this week. It's been a great week of prayer. Well, don't let this week become a week absent of prayer. Keep moving in the right direction. You think about it like this. If, uh, if you have family come during the uh, Easter holidays, then you know what I'm talking about when you, when, when you talk together about those kinds of plans, making plans for the arrival of, of family guests. It can be rather daunting and stressful and supposed to be celebrating the resurrection, you want to kill somebody, you know. I mean, it's, it can be challenging to prepare for guests coming in. And so, you know, a month or two out, you may even start talking about it with your spouse, saying, hey, Easter comes, this so-and-so's going to come, what are you going to do? Maybe a month out, you're talking about it a little bit more. Two weeks out, man, you're getting everybody in line, you're starting to issue orders, you're giving uh, cleaning the instructions to people in the house. Everybody's got to do their thing. And a week out, you're going to the grocery store. You make sure you got everything done. Three days out, you are cracking the whip, and everybody's on hands and knees, mopping and cleaning. I mean, you're getting it spotless. The day before, you're rolling out the red carpet, and when they get there, you act like nothing's been a big deal at all. It's all ready. You know, smiles, and everybody's good. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. See, that whole time, months before, you're moving in the direction of getting ready for their arrival. And the closer you get to their arrival, the more you're doing to make sure you are ready for them to get there. Do you know that every single day God gives us breath, we are one day closer to seeing Him face to face? Are you you living like that? Are you moving in the right direction? If you're here this morning and you're you're married, maybe you can remember back to the days when you experienced premarital counseling or maybe you can think about what it's been like in your relationship. But in premarital counseling, I tell the couples that I meet with, I tell them that the natural progression of your married relationship is not going to be towards better and better intimacy and, and connection relationally. That's not the natural progression. The natural progression of your relationship will be to want to kill each other. I mean, that's basically where you're going to be headed in marriage if you just let things unfold. You're going to want to read each other's necks every once in a while. And so what you've got to do is make sure that you work hard to move things in a different direction. If you want the kind of relationship, the kind of love, the kind of intimacy that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly for our world to see through your marriage, it's going to take a ton of work. You've got to do stuff every day intentionally to move in the right direction. And if you don't do something about it, you will find yourself having moved in the wrong direction, sometimes seemingly beyond repair. You don't want to get there. But that's exactly where you'll get if you don't do something about it. It's so true with our relationship with the Lord. If you don't do something about it, you will not naturally move towards greater intimacy with Jesus Christ. You will naturally move away from Him. And I just want you to think this morning about moving in the right direction. This concept of moving in the right direction is so incredibly important because not a single one of us here is is likely to make a decision to prefer the outcome of Uzziah in a moment. In other words, I'm seeking the Lord. I'm moving in the right direction. God is blessing my life with this intimacy with Him. I'm seeing how He's unfolding life in my day. And I wake up in the morning and I say, Stop! Had enough of that. I really would prefer Uzziah's outcome right now. 
I'm going to rebel. I'm turning against you. I don't care what you say anymore. I don't care who you are. Strike me if you want to. I'm done. I mean, nobody does that. Nobody wakes up after all this time of seeking him and just says, uh, Uzziah's better. I'm out. That's not the normal way that rebellion occurs. The, the normal avenue of pride that leads to the point of saying, I don't care what God has to say. The normal avenue is small, prideful steps in the wrong direction. Sometimes they sound like this. Tomorrow I'll, I'll spend time reading God's word. I, I just, the day got away from me. I, I know I should. It just got busy. I didn't expect this to come up. I had an emergency here. Tomorrow I'll wake up on time. Tomorrow I'll get up early enough to spend time with the Lord. Tomorrow I'll make sure that I, that I set aside time. Tomorrow I won't let things get in the way. I'll make sure that I do this tomorrow. Today I was too busy. Today I just didn't have time. Today it was so hectic. Today I had so many things going on at the office. Today, Lord, if you'll just, just bless my, my prayer on the drive to work. I just didn't have other time to be with you. Will you just kind of put that little moment of blessing on me so I'll make it through today. I, I hope you'll be okay with the fact this is all I can give you. And Anybody else ever thought things like that, been tempted to say things like that, formulated those thoughts in your mind? I mean, I didn't get all that because I do counseling. That's my life. I mean, I have those temptations to not seek the Lord. The natural tendency is to drift away. And we've got to do something to move towards Him. And, and if you have those small steps of pride, you, you've got to squash them. You need to take steps, intentional steps in the right direction. I love that the story of Uzziah and Jotham really help us with that. When you think about Uzziah, one of the first things that's said about him is that he sought the Lord as long as Zechariah was around. Isn't that interesting? That he sought the Lord as long as Zechariah was in his life. There came a point in time where either Zechariah died or Uzziah kicked him out and stopped listening to him. But the moment Uzziah stopped having a Zechariah in his life, he walked on the Lord. You know, that's the second time we've seen that emphasized in 2 Chronicles. Remember that with Jehoiada? If we're going to take a step in the right direction, intentional step, all right? We're going to respond to what God is saying right here in this passage. Men, take a step towards getting connected with another smaller group of men whose hearts are bent towards moving in the right direction. If you're not connected with other men like that who can see your life from a vantage point that sometimes you can't see it because of pride, and if you're a guy in here today and you think you're not dealing with pride, boy, you are really in trouble with pride. We all deal with it. And sometimes it really helps to have another guy in your life, another group of guys to say, you got a problem and you're not able to see it. Well, we all can see it and you better get on your face before God. Here, we'll help you. You need to be connected with some guys. Men, make that move in your life. This week, if you're not connected, call somebody. Go to lunch. Tell them, I'm not connected. I need a Zechariah. Can we see if we can walk with the Lord together a little bit? Ladies, 
Find some ladies. Find a group of ladies to walk with together. We all need someone. We are not meant to do the faith journey alone. Please, take a step in the right direction. Make sure you're the Zachariah in your life. Then we see that, that Uzziah's problem is pride. Well, why don't we do something about that in our own lives by choosing to humble ourselves this week? You notice the Bible never tells us, you know what you ought to pray? You ought to pray that God would humble you. Don't pray that. You don't want that. I mean, you, you see the people God humbled, and you're like, there was a better way than that, moron. So, so, so let's choose a different road this week. Let's choose the road of humbling ourselves. Do you realize how desperate you are for God? How you have nothing and can do nothing apart from him. Nothing. Uzziah did tons of amazing stuff. What's he remembered for? On his grave it says, he is a leper. That's it. How do you like that? Translation, nothing you did amounted to anything. Because you stopped seeking the Lord. And you can have nothing without Him. Do you know Jesus says the same thing to us in John chapter 15? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you realize how needy you are for God? Why don't you just revisit that whole subject biblically and practice this week humbling yourself. I need you. Nothing I have is from me. Everything I have is from you. Everything that I have is from you and is to be for you. Orient my life to making everything I have for you because it's from you. I mean, that's what Jotham did. Think about what Jotham did. He became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord. You want to take another step in the right direction? Order your life before the Lord. Do not fall into the trap of believing that if you wake up tomorrow morning and you spend 30 minutes reading God's word and praying and then you go the rest of your day doing your own thing without seeing, recognizing, longing for, striving for, seeing and knowing God through all the rest of the things in your life that when you get home and go to bed that you've been a good Christian because you checked off quiet time off your quota list. That's not how this is meant to work. God did not rescue you so you can check off having a quiet time and feel like you found his favor. No, God rescued you so you could set your life before him in the morning, whatever that looks like, and then enjoy knowing him, seeing him, and experiencing him in everything you do because you have ordered your entire life before him. Everything at work, every phone call, every appointment, every meeting, every task, everything is to be ordered before the Lord because He has rescued you to live in Christ for Christ all your life. Everything. Please, let's together take steps in the right direction purposefully because of the grace of God. Because if we don't, we will drift in the wrong direction. And we do not want to experience the emptiness that comes when we stop seeking the Lord.
Seek the Lord with your whole heart. The prophet Isaiah said some things in Uzziah's day that if Uzziah had been listening, it would have changed everything. He didn't listen. And he came up empty because that's how things work. But Isaiah, he wrote down what God said. And here we are years later. You know what we can do? We can hear what God says to us by reading what Isaiah wrote down. God says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will become like wool. If you consent, if you humble yourself and you obey me, I will feed you on the best of the land. I'll give you life. But if you refuse, if you stand in pride and you reject me, you will be devoured by the sword you will come up empty. Thus, the Lord has spoken. Seek the Lord. You will find Jesus. Everything you need.